the title of this message is Don't Quit. Don't Quit. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 12, then we're going to uh, flip over to 2 Timothy 4, uh, 5 through 8. So if you would stand this morning in the honor of reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also uh, comp- compressed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now flip over to uh, 2 Timothy 4. We're going to pick up in verse number 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which is the Lord. The righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearance. Be seated while we pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Lord, I just thank you for PG Baptist Church. And Lord, I just pray that you'll bless them, Lord, and you'll be with Josh. And thank you, Lord, for the testimony he lives. And Lord, today as we look into your word, I just pray that you'll teach us once again. You'll give us listening ears and receptive hearts, Lord, that... uh, We'll leave here this morning, Lord, knowing that you have met with us. Father, I just ask for, if there's any unconfessed sin in my life, Father, I just pray that you'll forgive it from me now. Uh, Don't withhold a blessing from these good people. Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the race? The race is the Christian life. And guess what? It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we're to stay on course, and we're to remain faithful to the end. Hebrews there says the race is what? It is set before us. And we are to run for Christ. We are to run for Christ. Not for personal gain. For Christ. And seeing that it is a race, and that God has set it out before us, why don't people commit themselves and run to the end? 1 Corinthians 4 says, It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Don't quit. Don't quit. There was a lady... She come out of her bathroom one night, and she had this cream caked all over her face. And she had a young daughter. And the daughter said, Mommy, what are you doing? And the mom said, Well, I'm trying to make myself beautiful. And about five minutes later, the mom come back out of the bathroom, and she had took all the cream off. And the daughter said, Quitting already, Mom? Quit means to cease from doing something. Just to cease from doing something. And do you understand that Quitting is an epidemic in the time that we're living in. Things get hard, what do people do? They quit. In marriages, things get hard, what do people do? They quit. In jobs, things get hard, people quit. It is said that 40 to 50% of marriages end in separation. And this is a desire. Quitting is a desire that is seeping into our churches and it's eating us alive like never before. 60 to 80% of church members are inactive. Almost 4,000 churches closed last year. Many are here in body, but guess what? You've really done quit. Many people are sitting in churches all over this county, all over this state, all over this nation this morning in body, but guess what? 
They've quit. When was the last time? When was the last time that you asked someone to church? When was the last time that you picked up God's Word and read it? When was the last time you prayed for your church? When was the last time you prayed for your pastor? When was the last time that you volunteered for service in the church? And like I say, many come, but they've really quit. Many come, but they've really quit. And I go to a lot of churches, and I see a lot of people, especially in the summertime, a lot of, pa- or a lot of uh, most of the time it's a woman. She gets up before I preach and she says, all right, church, you know we're having Bible school next week. And I still ain't got enough workers. And it baffles me. It blows my mind and it, it breaks my heart that people will not step up and help. They're here, but guess what? They really quit. Church members are, are burning out. They're falling out. They're dropping out. People are quitting. People are quitting. Pastors and staff members are, are running and retiring like never before. And maybe there's someone here this morning that wants to quit. You said, I've had it. I, I, I'm done with it. I can't do it anymore. You want to quit. But can I tell you that there's someone who wants you to quit more than you want to quit? Guess what? The devil really wants you to quit. The devil wants all, us, all of us to quit. He wants us to quit praying. He wants us to quit preaching. He wants us to quit singing, giving, Witnessing, sharing, giving our time. The devil really wants us to quit. And I believe that the devil threw everything he could throw at Paul, one of the greatest Christians to ever live, to try to get him to quit. And if Paul was alive today and he looked at the average Christian and their excuse for quitting, you know what he would say? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You got it made. You got it made. Come on, son. People quit on God in the church all the time, don't they? They, they? they don't like the music. They don't like the preacher. They don't think the preacher's rough enough. They think he's too rough. They uh, don't like the color of the new paint they put in the fellowship hall. They don't like the, the new carpet in the sanctuary. They might have uh, got overlooked for something. They didn't get chosen as a deacon. They didn't get to sing the part in the Christmas play. I've been, I've seen it all. I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor for nearly 30 years. People don't like the way the money's spent. That's no reason to quit. And if anyone had a reason to quit, it would have been a Paul. In 2 Corinthians, it says that he had been in prison frequently. He had uh, endured countless beatings. Five times he received 39 lashes from Jewish leaders. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked three times, and he was consistently on the move. He faced danger everywhere he went. He'd gone without sleep. He'd gone without food. He'd gone without water. He'd been cold and naked. And to top it all off, he had to take care of all these churches. Son, if anyone had a reason to quit, guess who it was? It would have been Paul. People quit because of the hardship of ministry. Ministry's hard. And you don't have to stand behind a pulpit to have a ministry. Ministry hard. 2 Timothy 5, 4, 5 there says to endure. That means just to, to outlast or survive. And affliction there means uh, this means some hardships. People quit because ministry is hard. And guess what, though, if you quit on God in the church? 
The devil's going to fill you with regret. He's going to fill you with regret. And he'll fill you with regret because your ministry, your ministry will be unfulfilled. Paul says there in verse 5, to make full proof of your ministry. Full proof of your ministry. That means to do whatever God wants you to do and do it according to your giftedness. And guess what? Everyone sitting in here this morning who has the Spirit of God in them, guess what you have? You have a gift. Your gift will probably be different than mine, be different than George's, be different than Carol's, it'll be different. But that's what makes the body of Christ so unique. Spiritual gifts are for ministry. They're for the edification of the church, and that means just to, to build it up. We all have a gift, but we have to use those, those gifts to the according of your giftedness. And it's not about the size or the uh, success or the scope of your ministry, but it's about doing whatever God wants you to do in the giftedness of your ministry. We're all gifted, and that's what God is going to judge us on. But here's where we're living at today in the consumer-driven church. It's where people think like this. Well, if I can't sing, if I can't uh, teach, or if I can't preach, then what I do is just a gift of helps, and it's really not that important. And there's a whole lot of people that, that sit back and do nothing because they think they're not gifted. All of us who are saved are gifted people. We have a gift in us. And we're to serve God according to our giftedness. Please, if you work in the nursery, don't say it's not that important. Don't say all I do is change diapers and wipe, wipe noses and pick up goldfish. Because it is important. And don't think, well, if... If I don't show up, someone else can just fill in. Just think of it like this. That little baby you're holding in your arms and changing his diaper one day could sit in a church service like this under the preaching of the Word of God and be changed forever. And it's a hard day to work with uh, elementary school kids. On, Wednesday, on Sunday night, I teach the RAs in our church, and I have about anywhere from 6 to 8, 10 boys that range from 2nd to 5th grade. And son, it gets a little wild in there sometimes. And sometimes I get discouraged. I tell my wife, I just, I just about soon stay home and watch football and have to put up with them. Because they don't listen. They are fighting with each other. They're turning over chairs. They're doing all kinds of stuff. You know how boys are. But I've got to keep thinking. That, uh, that young boy that I'm reading a Bible story to or teaching them something about God, one day might stand and open the Word of God and, and preach. We never know. And it's a hard day to work with teenagers. I work with our youth on Wednesday night. And we got to think of, of it as an opportunity to touch people's lives. We might not think we're doing much, but you never know how you could touch someone and influence them. Yes, sometimes it will be hard. And you will get discouraged. And you will think that it's not really making a difference. But don't quit. There was a guy that was teaching a young boy Sunday school. He'd be te teaching on the walls of Jericho for about... A month, then the boys come in that Sunday morning, and they sit down. He said, boys, who tore down the walls of Jericho? They all kind of looked at each other. He said, all right, boys, who tore down the walls of Jericho? And they said, don't look at us. We didn't do it. Man, he got mad. He stormed out, and he was walking down the hall. And here comes the chairman of the deacons. And he said, what's the matter, brother? You seem, you seem discouraged. You seem mad. What's, what's the problem? He says, I've been teaching them boys about Joshua and the walls of Jericho for a month. And they still don't know who tore them down. He says, I don't know either, but we'll have a deacon's meeting and we'll figure it out. 
What I'm saying is you will get discouraged. It will be hard, but don't quit. Do it faithfully. If you're working with teenagers, if you're working with these young kids, if you're working in the nursery, it's going to be, it's going to be aggravating, I'm going to tell you. Kids are aggravating. I love them, but they're aggravating. But don't quit. And there should never be a time when your pastor or somebody has to stand up and beg for someone to step up and teach a young, young kid's class. Never. Never in the church should they be that. Never. It should never happen. I tell you, that, that aggravates me, and I'm going to try to stay on track, but that aggravates me. People quit because of hardships of ministry. Number two, people also quit because they get off course. Why do people get off course? Because they get their eyes off Jesus. Just like Cassie had this starting line down here. Guess what? There's no finish line. That's not how God works. When God starts us, guess what he gives us? He gives us a finish line. And we should be fighting to get to that finish line like these kids was fighting over this bowl of candy this morning. We should all be in there trying to grab some and get some. But the devil, guess what he does? He uses different things to get us off course, don't he? He might use your job to get you off course. He might use money to get you off course. He might use a relationship to get you off course. He might use sports to get you off course. And I've got to be careful of that because I love sports. Both of my kids play, they play anything I let them play. And we're busy all the time with sports, and I, I usually coach their teams and very involved, but I have to be careful because I can let that get me off course. Same way with hunting. I've got to be careful because it can get us off course, and the devil will use anything he can bring into your life to get your eyes off Jesus, the finish line. Hebrews chapter 12 says that we are to run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the leader and perfecter of our faith. And I don't care how long you've been saved or how long you've been in church, if you do not lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets you, as Hebrews 12 tells us, and you start to coast, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get off course. You're going to get off course. The Bible says we're to do what? The Bible says we are to run. Not to coast, but to run. And I always think of a man, I love to study him, but I always think of a man in the Old Testament that I bet he wished he would have run. And that's David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. You don't have to turn there, but this is what it says. And it come to pass, after the year was expired, and the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon, and besieged Rabbi, but David tarried still in Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose off his bed. He's laying around. Laying around all day long, taking it easy, coasting through life, wasn't he? He's just getting up in the evening time. And he walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful. We all know what happened with the rest of that story, don't we? We all know what happened. And you think about David's life, though. Think about all the things he had done. David was a courageous man. Think about all the things, all the battles that he had went through. And God was right there with him. He was, a, he was a gifted man. He had more natural ability than most people ever dreamed about. He was a great king. After he was anointed a king, he went back to tending the sheep. He was, a, he was a blessed man. He was a humble man. He was a noble man. Think about all the times he could have killed Saul but didn't. 
But if he fell, guess what, men, you can do? You better believe, mere you could fall. And we do that because we get casual with our relationship with Jesus. We get our eyes off the finish line, and we start to coast. The Bible says that David should have been in war. But he was being casual with his life. He didn't know nothing but success up to this time. And he thought, well, I can sit back and take it easy now. And that's the way a lot of Christians think, especially after they've been saved a while. They say, well, I've been saved. I've done my time. I've helped work in the church. I've been a deacon. I've sang in the choir. I'm going to sit back and take it easy and let somebody else do it. No. When you do that, guess what happens? You're going to get off course. He began to coast. He'd got idle. And the sin there of his casualness turned into a, a sin of carelessness. And then he got compulsive, didn't he? He did something that he didn't intend to ever do. And all this came out of a heart that was casual and careless. And guess what? We all have it in us. We have to be careful. We all have it in us. But what does 2 Timothy 4 or 5 say to do? But watch thou in what? All things. All things, not just some. And when you're not running and you start to coast, you're going to get off course. And the next thing you know, the sin of this world is going to have you weighed down. And sin weighs you down and it makes us get our eyes off Jesus. Paul says there in verse number 7 of 2 Timothy that he has finished his course. It means he, has, he stayed on track. Guess what? The devil don't want you to finish the race. Why? The devil's done lost your soul. Now he wants your testimony. He wants not only do you look bad as a Christian, but he wants to make the church look bad as a whole. And he does that when he robs someone of their testimony. The devil does not want us to finish the race. We've got to lay that sin side away. Don't quit. Don't quit. People quit on God because they don't run with patience. Patience there means just an endurance or perseverance. Sprinters do what? Sprinters run uh, a short distance fast, don't they? But what do uh, marathon people do? It's just slow and steady. They stay on course. That reminds me of an old farmer. That farmer had an old mule. The old mule was ready to go. And that farmer thought, got up one morning, and he went out to the barn, and he's thinking how he needed to go ahead and put that old mule down, and the old mule was gone. So he went to looking, walking around his property, and he walked up on an old abandoned well, and guess where the mule was at? The old mule was at the bottom of the well. And the farmer thought, well, I can kill two birds with one stone here. I've been needing to fill that well in, and I can go ahead and bury my mule while he's down there. So he went back to the barn, he got a shovel, walked up to the well, stuck it in the ground, put a shovel of dirt over, he hit that old mule on the back. Old mule got spooky, got scared, went to, went to thrashing around. Here come another shovel. Here come another shovel of dirt. Here come another one. Old mule calmed down and started noticing, guess what? Every time a shovel of dirt hit him on the back, he could shake it off and step up. With each shovel of dirt, he would shake it off and step up. With each shovel of dirt, he would shake it off and step up. And guess what happened? Before long, he was at the top of the well. What did that old mule show? That old mule showed patience, didn't he? He showed endurance. He showed perseverance to do what? To get to the top. That's what we have to do. Paul says there in 2 Timothy 4, 7, that I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Paul's saying he has struggled. He had struggled with the adversary. I'm telling you, the Christian life is a struggle. If it's not a struggle for you, for you to live the Christian life, 
you don't know the Savior, I do. Because it's a whole lot easier to live any way you want to live, to look at anything you want to look at, to do anything you want to do, than it is to be a Christian. It's a whole lot harder to live the saved lifestyle than it is the lost lifestyle. And when we run it like a sprint, guess what? We burn out. We don't have the endurance to finish. It's a hard race, and that's the way we are to train. We are to train with endurance in mind. But the devil wants us to fail our Redeemer. He wants us to drop out. But can I tell you, there's someone who runs and fights with you. And that's Jesus. We've already won, folks, as Christians. We've already won. Don't quit. Don't quit. It says there in verse number 8 of 2 Timothy. It says, uh, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. Those who stand and endure to the end will be what? They will be crowned. They will be crowned. But guess what? If you quit, you're going to forfeit your reward. And it, we're, I'm telling you, today, the day and the time we live in, we're raising a generation of quitters. I see it. It's starting young. We're, and I tell my kids, if you start something, if you sign up to do something, guess what you're going to do? You're going to do it to the end. Even if you don't like it, you're not quitting you're going to do it to the end. We have to be careful. And we're, we're seeing it now. You know, it's influencing everything. The jobs. It's even got into, like I said, into our churches. You know? Man, it ain't nothing for someone to sign up to do something in church and just turn around and quit. Throw it off on somebody else. But if we quit, if we quit on God, we're going to forfeit our reward. The crown there in verse 8 means reward. It was the victor's crown. It only went to the winner. Just the winner. Everybody didn't get participation trophies. It went to the winner. And in those days, to win the victor's crown was like winning the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals or the World Series. Only those who won and endeared to the end won the crown. There's the only one that got the crown. But guess what they did? They trained. They laid aside the things that got them off track, and they ran with patience. There was a farmer who sold butter. Uh, and he, he'd always sell a pound of butter to the baker. And the baker decided that he was going to weigh the butter and see if he was getting a pound. And he found out that he was not. And this angered him, and he took the farmer to court. And the, ju the judge asked, well, how do you weigh your butter? And the farmer said, well, uh, your honor, long before the baker started buying butter from me, I've been buying a pound of bread from him. And when he brings me my bread, I put it on the scale, and I give him the same weight in butter. And the judge said, to the baker, well, you got what you deserve. What I'm saying, you're going to get out exactly what you put in it. And Christians, you know what we're going to get when we get home? We're going to get exactly what we deserved. Not saved or lost. At the judgment seat of Christ, guess what we're going to do? We're going to lay our crowns down at the feet of Jesus. And 1 Corinthians 3 tells us we're going to lay wood, hair, stubble, or or gold, silver, and precious stones. What this means is that is if you waste your gift, you don't use your ability, and you cruise through your Christian life, you're going to make it to heaven, but you're going to be embarrassed at the judgment seat of Christ. We're running because, guess what? As Christians, we've already won. But we're also running to lay something at the feet of Jesus. And I can't imagine... Laying wood, hay, or stubble at my Savior's feet. It's kind of like going to Carowinds 
not getting to ride the rides. Knowing that he finished what he started for me, but I didn't finish what he started in me for him. To know that, that he didn't quit on me, but I quit on him. And to know that he went all the way for me, but I didn't go all the way for him. The devil wants you to quit your Redeemer because it will be in a slap in the face to the Savior who saved you. In the 1968 Olympic Marathon in Mexico City, a man by the name of Joseph Onquori was in the marathon, and he cramped. He cramped up due to the high altitude of the city. He had not trained at such altitude back in his country. And about the halfway point of the race, there was some jockeying for position between some runners, and he was hit. He fell badly, wounding his knee and dislocating the joint in his shoulder as he hit the pavement. He, however, continued to run, finishing last among 57 competitors. The winner of the marathon finished at 2 hours and 20 minutes and 26 seconds, and Onquori finished at 3 hours, 25 minutes, and 27 seconds. And when there was only a few thousand people left in the stadium and the sun had set, there was a television crew uh, sent out from the, for the medal ceremony when word was received that there was one more runner about to finish. And as he finally crossed the finish line, a cheer came from a small crowd. And when interviewed later and asked why he continued running, this is what he said. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Can I tell you that Jesus didn't save you just to start that race? But he saved us to do what? To finish the race. Don't quit. Don't quit. Bow with me, please.